0: Welcome to the Huddo Community Church Podcast. HCC is located in Hutto, Texas, and is led by Pastor Russell Daniel. For more information, please check out our website at huttocommunitychurch.org. Now let's join Pastor Russell for today's message. Well, again, I'm so glad that you guys are here. And we're starting a new sermon series tonight called Be and Behold." And really the purpose of this sermon series, this group of messages, is that we would understand who we are, who God has created us to be, and then we would then connect the dots and understand that He has created us for purpose to be part of what He is doing in the big K kingdom of God throughout the world, that we would be part of the mission of God. And I'm really excited about this series. I think we're going to uncover a lot of great things that will really push us and stretch us in our faith. Now, tonight I want to start in Romans chapter 12. And for those of you who've been in church uh, for very long at all, you're going to recognize this verse. It's Romans chapter 12 and verse two. And if you haven't been in church long, you'll probably hear this verse uh, multiple times in the future. And that verse says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern the will of God, what is good, and acceptable, and perfect. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. You know, um, this is really an incredible verse. And I love it for a lot of different reasons, but the main reason is it, it communicates my heart for you because I want you to be a person who lives a transformed life through the power of Jesus Christ. You say, well, Russell, uh, that's great, but you're the pastor, and so you're supposed to say that, and that's all well and good, but maybe not for me. But l- let's just, let's be real. Let's take away this stage. Let's take away this room. You take away my job and and you give me your job, whatever that might be. And my passion is still the same because I want you to know the power and the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. I want you to know his, his goodness and I want you to be able to live a fulfilling life here on this earth and that one day you might live in heaven with the Lord God and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant." This job has nothing to do with it. That is the heart that God has put in me. And it's not just about your faith. I want you to succeed physically. I want you to succeed financially, emotionally, uh, with your family life, all across the board. You as a person, I want God's very best for you. And I want to help you get there. And so I want to do everything that I can that is in my power with every bit of knowledge, with every bit of Scripture, with every bit of prayer to help you on your journey. But I have a confession to make to you tonight. It is much easier for me to conform to the pattern of this world. Here's what I mean by that. Doing those things, digging in, helping you in, and whatever aspect of life that might be is going to cost something to me. And, and that's fine. I, I really love to do that. But in my heart of hearts, I just want what's easy. Because kind of like water flows the path of re- least resistance, that's kind of what I want to do. Like that's my sinful nature in me saying, oh, you know what, you need to have this hard conversation over here about this issue with this person But it'd just be easier if we avoided the whole thing and went on like nothing was wrong. And we do that, don't we? In different areas of our life, whatever that might be for you. Uh, We do it all the time in marriage, right? Like we know we ought to have date night and we ought to be communicating with our spouse and, and making an intentional effort to draw closer together to keep our marriage strong, But life is crazy, the kids are loud and annoying, and our job is hectic. And so when we get home at the end of the day, what we really wanna do is not have the hard conversation that we need to have about whatever is going on, but we just want to lay back on the couch, watch some evening sitcoms, and go to bed so we can wake up and do it all over again. Now, there's nothing wrong with that if you do that for a day or two, but when that becomes a pattern of life, then distance grows in your marriage. And all of a sudden, a whole bunch of things pile up and something drops, something tips the scales and you blow up at each other. And all of a sudden, your marriage is not in a good spot at all. Why? Because we've conformed. We've gone the easy way in life. But it's not just about marriage. I mean, parenting. Listen, I only have a three-year-old, okay? One child. Most of you have multiple kids. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you've stayed sane all of these years. Right? Like, they are exhausting. And when you put them to bed at night, there is nothing left in the tank. And so with parenting, it's easy for us to be hands-off and laissez-faire and say, well, you just kind of do what you want and parent yourself and you'll learn and you'll, you'll grow up and you'll figure it out. And that might be okay for, again, a day or two at a time, but then they grow up to become teenagers and we take our hands off of them. And we say, well, you just do what you want. And then they're 16 and they're out way too late doing things that they have no business doing because we don't have the time and energy to be able to invest in their life and give them guidelines and rules. And especially when it comes to the area of faith. Like so many of us, it's so easy to say, uh, you know what, you don't have to come to church if you don't want to because we don't want to pressure you and we don't want to uh, force what we believe on you. That's a pile of crap, pardon my French. But if we believe the Bible, then we got to guide our children to know the Lord and to walk with Him and have relationship with Him because if what the Bible says is true, then if they from Him, in a sinner's hell. And so... It's easy, guys. I get it. It's easy to say hands off and take a laissez-faire approach to parenting. Conform to the world. It's easy for us to do it in our finances. I mean, we've talked about this so many times, it's not even funny. Uh, The world markets to us and says, you need this now. And if you click five buttons, or maybe three, you can have it in 48 hours or less if you're lucky. And so we go and we say, well, I need that. Well, I need that. Well, I need a new car. I need a bigger house. And all of a sudden, we've just tried to keep up with the Joneses because we can, and we're $50,000 in credit card debt with two car payments and a house that we can't afford. And our finances go the way of the world. And then we're stressed out, and that bleeds over into our marriage and every other aspect of life because we've conformed to the world. And unfortunately, we also do that in our faith. And I have to admit, over the last year and a half, I've seen this more than I thought I ever would because we've made it so easy to get everything we want at our fingertips. We don't have to drive into the office anymore. Uh, a lot of you don't even go to the grocery store anymore because of some great things like uh, H-E-B delivery or shipped or whatever your preference is, and It's great. Church is online. I don't even have to show up to go to church anymore. How great is this? And so the world has catered to us and made life so comfortable that it's easy to take our hands off of our faith and just glide through life and treat Jesus like a genie in a bottle when we'll call Him when we need Him. And we've conformed to the world's way of even having faith in Christ. The consequences of this happening over 5, 10, 20, 30 years, when we conform in every area of life, we look back and say, what did my life really mean? Have I really done anything significant, anything meaningful with my life? There was a guy like this in the Bible in John chapter 5, which is where we're going to be today. And for 38 years, he conformed to the world's way of thinking. So if you got your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 5, and uh, let's dig in here to what happens. Verse 1 says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool in Aramaic, called Bethesda, some of your footnotes might call it Bethsaida, uh, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Now stop right here. If you're reading carefully, there is a very important footnote in your Bible, and normally we kind of skip over footnotes, but this one is key to the story. So I'm going to pause, and we're going to read this footnote. So continuing from verse 3, in these uh, lay a multitude of invalids waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water. And whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. Now pick up in verse 5. One man who was there, had been an invalid for 38 years. Now let's stop for just a minute, because this is a really interesting passage of Scripture. So first of all, you've got this pool in Jerusalem called Bethesda, which means house of mercy or house of grace. And then you've got all of these invalids who just live there. Right, They got a roof, they got a covering, so they can just hang out during the day. The sun's not going to be on them. And and oh, by the way, at this particular pool, every now and then, an angel comes down and he stirs up the waters, and whoever jumps in first gets healed. So if I'm blind or lame or paralyzed or whatever, that's exactly where I want to be. Because when that angel stirs, man, I am jumping in and I am going to get healed. But this guy had been there for 38 years. Now that leads me to have uh, some real interesting questions. So number one, if he's been there that long, is it really true that when the angel stirs the water that people can jump in and get healed? Well, I, I think so because surely the invalids and the paralyzed wouldn't stay there if that wasn't something that was going to happen. But secondly, what's wrong with this guy? I mean, 38 years he's been there. I'm only 33, and I'm thinking, man, at some point, I'm going to come together with some kind of plan where I can lay on the edge of the pool or I'm going to hire a friend or do something so that when that water is stirred, I'm the first one in there and I can get healed. And so you think that something is wrong with this guy. I think there is something wrong. Let's keep reading. When Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool. When the water is stirred up, while I am going down, another steps down before me. Did you get that? This guy's full of excuses. For 38 years, he's made excuses as to why he can't get in there first. I mean, you could just hear it in his voice. Well, you know, I mean, I try, but somebody always beats me down there, and it's just my bad luck that I'm not close enough that I can't get into the water. Also, by the way, he has no idea who he's talking to. And so the guy asks, do you want to be healed? Like, the answer is yes. Yes, I want to be healed, but that doesn't even cross his mind. And so he makes excuses. And I like to think that this guy had been there so long that he had become so comfortable in conforming to the world's way of thinking that this was just life. I mean, you hang out in one place long enough, eventually you kind of rise through the ranks and you got to be the top dog. So I don't know if he was like king of all of the invalids and paralyzed people who were there and he was just comfortable with that, but he was okay with not being healed. He just resigned himself to that. And here Jesus is offering him the ability to get up and walk. But it's a scary thing, isn't it? Because when you get used to living a certain way for a certain amount of time, anything different brings anxiety and fear just of the unknown. Because everything has to change. I mean, all of a sudden you get healed and you can get up and you have to go to work for a living instead of people giving you stuff. That's hard. But Jesus tells him, He said to him, Get up, take your bed, and walk. And at once, the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. And so I just love this. In the middle of all of his excuses, Jesus still heals him. So I just want to ask you today, Like, what are the excuses that you have? Because we all have them. For whatever it is, you know, for some, man, God, God's calling you into something more. He's asking you to take bigger steps of faith. Maybe that's something within the church. Maybe that's some kind of ministry that He wants you to be a part of and to help grow. Maybe to start from scratch. And God's talking to you about that, but you're just making excuses. Lord, I'm just too busy at this time. Work is just crazy. i I don't even know how I do that. Like, you've given me this idea, and God, I don't know the first thing about that. That's crazy. I can't do that. For some of you, it's your marriage, right? And you make excuses for why your marriage isn't good or for why you're not coming together and learning to communicate. And it just breaks my heart because... Kind of to the finances thing, we'll go and we'll spend all kinds of money uh, on all kinds of things so that we feel good about what we have, yet marriage is in the background falling apart and we won't spend $1,000 to go get help and get a real counselor who can help us figure out how to communicate with our spouse. You won't even come to the pastor and say, hey, we, we need help. Can you at least pray for us? Can you help us figure something out here? we conform to the world. We make excuses for why we're not being transformed. Same thing in our finances, right? Well, now's not a good time, Lord. The Lord's saying, I want you to do finances my way. I have a better plan for you. Start giving the tithe to the church. You say, Russell, well, of course you would talk about the tithe. I get no benefit from your tithe. It doesn't affect me one little single bit. But here's what I have seen. When people do finances God's way, He does more with what you have after you've given to Him than you can do with all of it. I promise you that is 110% true. I've seen it over and over and over again. Say, hey, i got to get out of debt, but man, it's just too hard. I would have to get a second job. Go get a second job! Get out of debt! Like God says, His Word says, the borrower is slave to the lender, and we are a people who are living as slaves to our money. God has a better way for you. Let's stop making excuses for that. Let's not make excuses for lackadaisical parenting and not guiding and directing our children to know and to love Jesus with all of their heart. Let's be passionate people who say we are going to be transformed through the power of Jesus and we're going to watch him do amazing things in our family, in our job, in our marriages, with our physical life, all of it. Because that's how good God is. He wants to transform all of it. Because even despite all of your excuses, just like this guy had all kinds of excuses, Jesus wants to meet you here tonight and give you that same transforming power. He wants to do it. He wants to do it now. He doesn't want you to make any more excuses because now is the time. Now's the time to get with the program. So, what does this look like for you? We need a transformation. Transformation is found in surrender, it takes saying, fine. I'm tired of doing it my way. My way hasn't worked. God, I'll do it your way. I'll do marriage your way. I'll do finances your way. I'll do faith your way. I'll stop trying to do things on my own, in my own power, and I'll do it your way. It takes surrender. It takes laying down your life. That's literally what being a Christian is. is uh, we talk about it in baptism, which we're going to get to celebrate in just a few minutes. When you go down into the water, it's symbolizing the death of self. I'm putting self self to death, and coming back up, being raised to walk with Christ. This life that we now live is lived by faith in the Son of God. So what is it for you? What is it that you need to surrender to the Lord tonight? Is it a sinful habit? Something that you've been putting off that the Lord's been talking to you about, saying, hey, this thing over here I'm not going to tolerate anymore. It's time to deal with it. It's time to get help. It's time to get over this addiction and do whatever it takes to be able to get past this sinful behavior. What is it for you? Is it a worldly dream? Maybe you've got some picture of the future that, hey, it's not necessarily bad, but it's focused on you and your kingdom and what that's going to look like for you. And it doesn't have anything to do with God's will for your life. And instead of trying to keep up with the Joneses and, and do all of these things, you just need to say, God, I, I surrender this to you, your will, your way. Whatever that means. Maybe it's you've conformed too long in your marriage. And, and you've done your marriage looks like a sitcom on any weeknight. Pick your, pick your sitcom. And that's what your marriage looks like and there's no respect for one another, there's no real love for one another, and you're just kind of living as roommates, God has a better plan. He wants to transform your marriage. But you got to do it His way. Finances, same thing. We've talked about that. God wants to transform your financial life, your physical life. Enough is enough. It's time to get in shape. It's time to drop the pounds. Why? Because it's not about you. It's about how long you can live for Jesus, and expand His kingdom. And it's time to do it. Or maybe you're here tonight, back to church weekend, and it's time to transform your faith. And over the last 18 months or two years, you've been floating along, floating along, floating along. You engage God here, and you engage God there, but you haven't really taken the deep dive in. And tonight, the Lord wants to meet you in this place and transform your spiritual life. I think God has brought each one of you here for a purpose tonight. And I think it has more to do with us as a collective body of Christ than it does as an individual. I was thinking back this week, just how the Lord really brought us here and just the passion they put in my heart, and I thank many of your hearts, to see change in our community. And to see lives transformed, and to see those who are hurting come to know the peace and the love and the grace of Jesus. We want to make an impact in this community. See, we want to be a changed people who change our community. And it's one thing for one person to come in and kind of make a difference here and make a difference there, but when the body of Christ functions like God designed it to, and we come together, and use all of our gifts and all of our talents for His kingdom, then the impact is much, much greater. And we want to be a church that makes a big impact for Christ. Not for ourselves, not so that we can build some kind of monument and say, look what we did. No, because it's not us who does the work anyway. It's God through us who does the work. And so I just imagine what it, what it looks like when the body of Christ begins to take faith seriously and begins to be transformed in every area of our life so that we move the kingdom of God for, forward here in Hutto, Texas. And many of you have stories of what the Lord has done in your life, how he's brought you to this church, and we could probably stand up and spend quite a while talking about all that God has done here, and we just want to see so much more of that because it's ultimately about people. It's about empowering you guys to be able to go and make the impact in others' lives. And so tonight, uh, we get to witness part of that. Like I said here in just a moment, we're going to talk about the transforming power of Christ through baptism. And so as we close, I just want to pray for you. And I want to pray that if, if you've never come to know the power of Christ that tonight would be the night. See, down in verse 24 in chapter 5, that same chapter we looked at earlier, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he's passed from death to life. And so simply put what Jesus is saying, hey, if you believe in me, if you believe in the Father, then you will have eternal life. And so that's the offer here for you tonight if you've never done that. But I believe more so God wants to work in those who are already believers, that He wants to transform your life in some way. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or visit our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.